Now, I did not know who this woman was. She had bleached blonde beehive hair, bright orange nails, like not on trend for that period of time. And I had no idea, but turns out, because I went to her house, she was a billionaire. She was a billionaire and she had guards at the gate of her house. I never would have sized that up. And so it is pointless for us to ever spend time assigning any sort of responsibility to ourselves to size a client up and what they can afford. That is their responsibility to do. And you will cut yourself out of a sale faster than you can say sale if you do that. Welcome to Selling the Naked Truth. Welcome back to Selling the Naked Truth podcast. I'm your co-host, Susan Hay. And I am Jason Hay. And we are ready to dive into some goodies today. We have a killer episode for you guys, really touching on the things that you and I have both heard people talking about pain point, the pain points. Yeah. The pain point of most people out there that are in sales and it's going to sound funny when I say it, but it is, how do I sell without feeling icky? Like I just hate selling. (laughs) It always cracks me up because it's like we're selling. Yeah. I mean, you're selling every single day, right? Yes. I mean, we've, we've talked about that in previous episodes and, and truthfully today we want to talk specifically about the proper mindset. Right. And I've been there. So when I say I'm laughing, I've been there. So what we have for you guys today is five mindset hacks to help you stop selling and start solving. Well, that's good. Yes. You know, it's, it's truly is. It's about solving the problem. It's solving the problem that your client customer relationship has and whatever that is, uh, you have to uncover it. Right. You know, so these steps will help you do that. And truly it is a mindset. So we want to run you guys through these five steps that we really believe if you can wrap your mind around this, then it's going to feel really good. It's not going to feel like selling anymore. Right. So here we go. We're diving in. Um, Step number one is you have to believe in what you're selling. Definitely. I mean, these are the things that, you know, if, if you're not a believer, you're never going to actually feel comfortable. And I'm not saying you have to be the person that this is the only product that you use or, you know, you're not loyal to just this one. And, you know, because customers can smell that BS too, right? Yes. You know, but at the same time, it's like utilize the product, know what's going on, know how the best fit for your life is so that you can translate that to your client. Absolutely. So, I mean, definitely, I feel like you got to you have to be a user of whatever it is that you're selling I, I mean i feel like it's really hard to get around that and i always think about all the times that you know people dropped products beauty products specifically through my salon that they wanted me to try and for me i'm a clean beauty lover so i would right away look at the pro- look at the ingredients and determine would i use this and if it wasn't a product that i would use then it certainly wasn't a product that i was going to be able to recommend or put on the shelves of my business in good conscience well on the flip side is that you know even if somebody utilizes the product 
Are they using it the right way? You know, it's the education factor of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like when you, when you don't use it, then you can potentially fall back on product research. So a great example of that is I'm not somebody who has, you know, acneic skin. Um, so that's not something when people reach out to me and ask about products for acne, I know a lot about it from working in the treatment room with people that have had acne and helping them troubleshoot through. So I would never say to somebody, Oh my gosh, yes, I love this product for acne. It's cleared myself up because that wouldn't be authentic. And so those are the moments though, where you can still recommend products and you can still sell. You just have to go off of testimonials from maybe clients that you've had or people that you know that have used something. And that's kind of how I feel like you get around that. Well, and, and you're exactly right. Testimonials are kind of that Bible for you to be able to carry so that you can flip to it and say, here, you know, Joan, John, whatever, utilized this and this was their result. And it was based upon my recommendation because I know the product line so well that this worked for them and whatever that is. So it doesn't have to be just you. It's it's the story behind it as well. Yes. And the truth is, listen, if you don't believe in what you're selling, people are going to call bullshit. Mm-hmm. They will. They're going to know. Mm-hmm. They're going to know. False, it's right? false. It feels fake. It feels like sales. Right. Whereas if you believe in the product that you're using, it's more like a recommendation. And that's how I usually try to look at what when I'm recommending a product or selling it's like I kind of pretend like I'm making a recommendation to my BFF you know and think about this if they're not buying it from you they're buying it from somebody else yeah we'll talk about that later so all right step number two is going to be you need to have knowledge about the product that you're selling and the reason why that's so important is competence is going to create confidence And when you're confident, you're going to gain trust from the people that you're selling to. Yes. I mean, if you're confident, definitely. You actually can educate the individual enough about your product, about the competition as well. So you're not bad mouthing in the competition. Mm -hmm. You're just saying, hey, these are the uses that the competition actually has. This is our use this is where we actually are a bit better or you know this is this is works better for me and and then that allows the customer to be like oh well he's not sitting there talking poorly about or excuse me she i apologize he or she <laughs> is not talking poorly about the product i use because they might use that product right and you don't want to make anybody feel bad right. i usually won't go Go, even go down that road like when it comes to you know beauty product recommendations I do usually ask people like what are you currently using basically because I just want to get an idea of what kind of ingredients they are putting on their skin but to me that's just a collecting information type of thing and it allows me to make recommendations but it's one of those things where you can't just BS your way through it like you need to know your product whether it's a health product that you're selling or a beauty product I mean clothing whatever it is, you need to know your product. If it's clothing, you need to know, like, does this fit true to size or, you know, does it run bigger? And that stuff is again, going to create a competence, uh, which will lead to higher confidence. And that is going to gain you trust with the people that you're talking to. And remember your clientele has already done research on your product 
yes. right before you actually met with them. Right. So you better know your product as well as they do right. in the 15 minute, 20 minute segment prior to them coming in because they're going to ask questions. Yes. And I, I guess we could say like from the world that you come from, the auto world, that's 100% correct. People oh are gosh. researching the heck out of it before they get to you. And I would say that's the same, like, you know, in the beauty realm, uh, people are, people are checking things out before they come to you. So it is important that you know what you're talking about. Exactly. All right. Number three, this one is so important and that is do not make assumptions about someone else's pocketbook. I hear people say all the time, I've heard it in coaching sessions, I I heard it from the years in the beauty industry, I just feel bad because it costs this much money. And that is not your responsibility to worry about. Right. You know, I I remember an episode, and this this is silly, but I remember an episode of The Cosby Show when I was a kid, and Bill Cosby was telling Theo that they were going to go and buy a brand new car that day. And he dressed up in bum clothes where Theo dressed up in really nice clothes because, you know, the family was well to do because he was a doctor, you know. And and the funny thing is, is he told Theo to go dress in like scummy clothes so that they didn't get taken advantage of when they were buying a car. Mm -hmm. So people are going to dress in what they're most comfortable in. Don't judge the book by its cover because you never know if that individual could pay, you know, anything that they want for what your product is. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now a story. Back years ago when I started out as a massage therapist and I was working in a salon, I met a woman who asked me if I would come to her house to do her massages. She had some health issues from um, horseback riding and, and I was like, sure, yeah, I'll do that. Now, I did not know who this woman was. She had bleached blonde beehive hair bright orange nails, like not on trend for that period of time. And I had no idea, but turns out, because I went to her house, she was a billionaire. Mm -hmm. She was a billionaire and she had guards at the gate of her house. I never would have sized that up. And so it is pointless for us to ever spend time assigning any sort of responsibility to ourselves to size a client up and what they can afford. That is their responsibility to do. And you will cut yourself out of a sale faster than you can say sale if you do that. If you're also a good salesperson and they see value in the product, they will actually pay more for your product due to the fact that they understand this is going to have a better use for me and they're going to maneuver their budget around to be able to accommodate what you've just sold them. Yes. And also I feel like oftentimes you don't even need to factor price in unless they ask you. And that's the thing. If you're leading with like, I think about maybe a skincare product where, you know, I would see people get hung up on $64 for a moisturizer in the salon, which really, if you're looking at really expensive products, that's that's minimal, a moot point. Mm -hmm. And so, but the reason why people would get caught up is because that felt expensive to them, Mm -hmm. to the person selling it. Mm -hmm. So you have to become completely unbiased. And oftentimes I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be like, Oh, you should use this moisturizer because it's going to do all of these things for your skin and your skin's going to look like this. And it's $64. No, 
you don't need to do that. If they ask you, then that's something that they're concerned about. So assume the sale, assume the sale and stop making assumptions about someone else's pocketbook. Number three, mind hack for you. All right. Number four Uh is own your place in the market. Definitely. You deserve that sale that that you're trying to create just as much as the next person does. And when you look at the industry that you're in, please know, I can tell you in the beauty industry, it's a billion dollar industry. And I knew that in my salon, if I was not educating a client on the product, the usage and what they needed for their skin or their nails, they were going to go over to big box store and just pick something up off the shelf that probably wasn't going to be the right fit for them because nobody was going to help them. And or they think a I don't see the value in what you're selling because you didn't really educate me. So therefore, I'm just going to go and buy the off brand or the, you know, over the counter brand, if you would, the big box store uh, that is, you know, that's what they're selling. Right. So it's a billion dollar company like you're talking about. Billion dollar industry. industry, Excuse me. And, And then think about this. These other companies have made their money off of knowing that you're not educating your customer, right? So they know this. So why do you think it's on the shelf in the grocery store? Why do you think it's on the shelf at a big box store, as you're saying? And and then truly just by slapping the name organic on the label or whatever the heck it is, it, it does not mean that it's worth a darn. And so we look at things and say, you know, how can I actually make more money? So let's say you're in a service industry, you know, doing, doing skincare, hair, nails, whatever that could be. How can I add one more benefit to this customer? Right. And then at the same time, make more money. These are huge steps for us to learn. And if you're not doing it, they're leaving exactly where you are and going to buy that product somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so in the auto industry, uh, if, if they're buying a car and all of a sudden you open up a booklet that shows them accessories for that car, like floor mats, guess what? They're buying floor mats somewhere because there are floor mats, floor mat companies out there selling floor mats in Walmart, in, in other huge big box stores every single day. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to open up the portfolio for them to look at and say, ours are custom made specifically for the car that you're buying today, you could go home with them and they're only a hundred and something dollars. Right. If you don't give them the opportunity, they're not going to even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, I mean, I think that you have to go into when you're making a sale or doing your job, whatever it is, you have to own your place in the market and just know that you deserve part of that market share. And if you're again, competent and confident, why wouldn't you, especially if at the end of the day, you, your, um, hope is to give the most value to your client, you know? Yes. And, and you knowing that you're adding on just a small little segment to benefit the client. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. If you're just throwing things at a, um, you know, at the product just for no apparent reason, then that means that you're just greedy and people can smell the greedy in anybody, right? They, they definitely can. They can smell like that, 
that pheromone of, wow, this person just is not in this for me. But if you say, hey, these are the benefits, I'm going to show you three things. Let's pick one, right? right? They're like, oh, cool. They're not saying I need all three. But then you're going through the benefits of all three and they might go, you know what? I actually think I need all three of them. Mm -hmm. You know, like then you're like the, it's the takeaway sale portion of it. You know, I'm only going to allow you to have one today because that's all that's necessary. But those other two, these are beneficial for you. And these are the reasons why. Right. So you choose. And a lot of times you're going to hear, I'll take all three. Yes. Especially if you've, if you've provided that solution. All right. And then number five is consider instead of seeing a sale or your client as a dollar sign, the cha-ching and the money, the money in the bank, look at that situation as an opportunity to add value. So your job is to add value to their experience, their life, their problem. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And not be sitting there worrying about, am I going to make the sale? How much am I going to make off the sale? Right. I mean, if you, if you followed step one through four, you're at that point already, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's it's what value are you bringing to the table? You know, and it's it's we kind of discussed a little bit of it in step number four. But it's like if you have three products and you say this is the best value for you today because this is what's really going to solve what you said. But these are those underlining you know, pieces and elements. So the next time you come in and you're assuming already that you're, you're re uh, opting to bring them back. Mm-hmm. And the next time you come in, let's focus on these or let's focus on one of these two. And then we'll look at your skin, your hair, your car, whatever it mm-hmm. is at that point in time to see if at that point, if these two are still beneficial for you. So now you're the expert, Right. You're the expert in the in the situation, and they now feel like, okay, I get it. I mean, nobody goes to a doctor, and when the doctor prescribes something, you're like, I don't know if I should take that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think on that topic of adding value, though, it kind of goes into like a scarcity mindset versus a, a abundance mindset. And so when we trust that we have done all of these other things well, we don't really need to sit there and be worrying about or stressing or counting the pennies that are going to be coming in or dollars, you know? So I think when we do that, when we talk, when we focus on the, the dollar bills in the bank, we are living in scarcity because we're, we're freaking out or panicking. Like, how am I going to make that sale? Whereas if we just just trust that we've done all that we can do mm-hmm. um, to to add value. And I feel like that allows you as a salesperson to constantly be troubleshooting and brainstorming and thinking about your client in a different way. You know, how, how can I help this situation, whether it's a, whether you're a health and fitness person or you're in the beauty industry, um, coaching, a graphic designer, at the end of the day, what we are doing is we are uh, solving problems for people. Right. And they're willing to pay for somebody to solve their problem. Yes. hundred percent. So I really believe if, if you stick with these five mindset hacks to stop selling and start solving, 
It's going to turn things around for you. And you may need to write these down, keep them by your desk or your workspace so you can kind of remember because it, it you, you have to step out of old bad habits. But mm-hmm. definitely start with number one, which is believe in what you are selling in. That is so important. If you are aligned with a product sale or something that you're selling right now that you don't believe in it, then that potentially could be why you're feeling resistance. Or you're failing. Right. Right. Number two, knowledge about your product. You want to be competent so that you boost your confidence and in return gain trust. Number three, don't make assumptions about someone else's pocketbook. You've got to stop doing that, y'all. Number four, own your place in the market. You deserve that sale. You deserve that opportunity. And number five, add value. Add value. Right. All right. We appreciate you guys for tuning in today. We can't wait to see you guys on the next episode of Selling the Naked Truth podcast. Thanks, guys. today's episode helped to motivate and inspire you, then please take a moment to leave us a five-star review. It would mean the world to us as we continue to grow this Selling the Naked Truth community. Of course, you can always find us the old-fashioned way at sellingthenakedtruth.com or at our Instagram handles. Jason can be found at Selling the Naked Truth on the gram and Susan can be found at Dame and Heart. 